let's get started. I'm Joe. And I'm Brian. And we are Where is the Rulebook? We're going to bring you a weekly board game walkthrough for your lunch break or daily commute. This season one of Where is the Rulebook? We'll be focusing on games to get you started in the world of board gaming or just any staple for a game night. We will be walking you through the rulebooks of some of the most loved board games known by all. In today's episode, we introduce a new game. We'll give you some general information about it. Then we'll talk about how you win, what it takes to set it up, actions each player can take per turn, and what causes the game to come to an end. We have laid out a few examples that you will see when playing the game, and we're gonna play those through with you. Then we'll get a little more personal, talk about our strategies, our opinions of the game, and if we recommend you guys picking this game up. For today's game, we're not playing as heroes. We are playing as infamous Disney villains. Today's game, we are opening up the rule book for Disney Villainous. On the box, this game takes roughly 50 minutes to play. And it can be played from two to six players. For some reason, Board Game Geek says it's best with three. I don't think it changes the game at all, depending on how many people you're playing with. And this game can be classified as a hand management and take action kind of game. Now, where is the rule book? Let's first, let's open up the original box. Uh, we're not going to quite talk about the expansions yet. So in the original box, there are six player boards, there are standees, villain decks, and their fate decks for each person. You also will find the six player guides and reference cards, a few lock tokens, a fate token that you'll use in larger games, a whole bunch of power tokens that get placed in a really nice cauldron that comes in the game. And of course, you're going to find the rule book. And now that we have everything outside of the box, let's talk about setting up the board so we can start playing. Each player will begin by picking a villain they want, taking the board, the standee, the fate deck, everything that goes with that villain, as well as a reference card and a player guide. You'll place your board in front of you and your standee on the far leftmost space. And if there is a lock icon on your board, you'll have to place the token on that. You'll shuffle the villain deck and place it to the left of your board, and you'll draw your starting hand of four cards. And finally, we'll shuffle the fate deck and place it to the right of the board. Then you're going to place all those power tokens I talked about in that cauldron, and you're going to decide the starting player. The starting player does not get any power tokens, but the second player takes one, the third, and if you have a fourth, they both take two. And if you have five or six players, they each take three. In Disney Villainous, each player takes the role of a Disney villain. Each villain has a different objective they are trying to achieve. Each turn, players will move their villain to a location on the board and perform actions that are available there. As soon as a player has fulfilled their villain's objective, the game ends and that player wins. Read the objective on the board out loud so all players know your objective. Now that we have our board set up and everyone has made their objective known to each other, let's go over the individual boards. Each player has their own board, represented by their villain's realm. All cards played on your board are considered to be in your realm. Card abilities only affect the cards in your realm. No card in any villain's realm will ever affect another villain's realm. Each realm has four locations you can move your villain to. Each location has actions you may perform when you move to that location. And villain cards are played on the bottom of the board. Your opponent will play fate cards at the top of your board, overlapping actions in that location that's outlined. Now that everything is set up, let's talk about what we're going to do each turn. Every turn goes in the order of moving your villain, performing the actions within that location, and lastly, drawing your cards. So let's begin with moving your villain. You're going to move your villain to a different location. 
You may move to any location in your realm as long as it is not locked. You may not stay in your previous location. And then each location has symbols representing the actions you may take when you move there. You may perform all the available actions in any order, and each action may be performed one time for each symbol that appears. All actions are optional. And all these actions are indicated with symbols. And on that player reference card, you're going to see all the symbols and what they mean. Some examples are gaining power, uh, which is the game currency, or playing a fate card on an opponent's deck, and playing a card from your hand. And the last thing that you'll do in your turn, if you have fewer than four cards in your hand, is draw from your villain deck until you are back up to four. If you need to draw from your deck when it's empty, shuffle your discard pile and form a new deck. And as soon as a player fulfilled their villain's objective, the game ends, and that player is the winner. No one's going to tie or share victory. However, there are some ends that have to wait until the next turn, so you might not win instantly. And this game, like so many that we've talked about in the past, has one big flaw. It doesn't tell you who goes first. So you just decide that player, and they get to go first, but they don't get that extra power to start the game. So they're going first is their extra power they get. It is quite balanced, though. I've played this game with, with three people all the way up to six. The extra power you think would be like, oh, that last guy gets three extra power. Eh, it really is not that big of a bonus. Neither is going first. Yeah, I was going to say, I was gonna say I can't think of a reason, a big bonus to go first either. So that's why I don't think the power makes it go anywhere stronger or anything. I just don't think there's really a, any benefit in going first, second, last. It's not like there's certain resources you can't take or something like that. Right. With every board being different and every location being different on every villain, uh, it's you're never gonna you're never gonna play the same game. You're never gonna have the same strategy. So being first or last, I when I play with my friends, it's always been a dice roll. You, you roll the die. You're first. You're first. You're last. You're last. Sure. And uh, that makes I've, sense. I've never been like upset. Like oh, I'm going sixth. Yeah. Yeah, because most games, I feel like the turn order can really affect the play because most games have some sort of resource or something that might be limited. I mean, there's obviously other co-op games that that's not the case, but still going going first usually has a benefit. Usually, when it comes to, to card games, uh, competitive games, going first often has an advantage. This game is competitive. You are versing everyone on the table because everyone is trying to win their own game. Um, I guess well, I was thinking off the top of my head, there is one villain I know of, uh, Radikin from one of the expansions, who uh, is all about money and getting more power. He just rolls in it. Maybe going last with him would be beneficial because starting with three gives you there. a head start. Yeah, but. I mean, I mean, I haven't played him. I've seen him play by a friend, so I couldn't even say if that's a valid strategy. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some of the other, and I haven't played very many of the expansions. We'll, we'll dive into that in just a second, but I can't think of very many of the villains that I've seen that there's a benefit in going first or last, other than the one that you just kind of referenced. Like, all of them kind of do the same. The first few turns, I feel like, you just are kind of deciding what your theme is going to be and kind of figuring out how you're going to try to get to your victory, how your objectives are going to get completed. Right. With every, with every villain being different, and there's 20 
just the Disney ones now, not including the Marvel. Yeah, another seven for Marvel, something like that, I think. I mean, there's so many, and with every villain being different, I can't I can't imagine. Like it even mattering at all. Yeah. But again, that also is a strength. I like that this game, I don't have to stress about me going last. Yeah, and I think it's kind of cool too that like other than it's fun to play a villain that you kind of know or maybe you you like or you enjoy that movie more or something there's really not a benefit to each villain either i feel like there's not a lot of games like the classes in uh horrified like the, or even forbidden island like there's some that are just just not very good and i think there's no villain that's bad is there villains that are better or worse than your yeah. experience? Really? I, I've played this enough to know off the top of my head, one villain being completely ridiculously overpowered and one villain being really, really bad. <laughs> Which one is really, really bad? Hades. Okay. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll state this. He's not bad. There's no... You just said he was really, really bad. When I say bad, I mean if I had to rank him from like the best to worst, he'd be the worst. He just, does he just take the longest to build into play? or He, how? he has titans. So if you're familiar with... Hercules, allies or... Kind of. Okay. If you're familiar with like Hercules the movie, he has titans. So yeah, we'll say they're allies. And not only do you have to get the allies and then play them, but they start on the left of your board and you have to move them one by one to the final place on the board, which is Olympus. But, so they're like marching there almost. Yep, just like okay. the movie, they're they're marching to Olympus. So not only do you have to play all of the Titans, but you also can get stopped immediately. <laughs> the entire fate deck for Hades is just like screw Lost. your opponent over. <laughs> and most of them are. I mean, all the decks are, but there are some that are. Does he have other allies that you can defeat those fate cards or those heroes that are in there? So I've only had two friends play Hades because they both love Hercules and they want to play the hero they <laughs> they want to play the villain they like, sure. which is fair because yeah. I did the same thing. That's the first one I always will pick was the one that you like the most, and then you play others later. Yeah, absolutely. I would just try to play a different one every time. That's yeah. my goal. And every time I see Hades picked, which I guess has been three times. The person just doesn't have fun. That's the best way to put it, is they just kind of sit there and they're like, I'm not even having fun. So, I, maybe, I mean, I haven't played it, so maybe they're all doing it wrong, <laughs> but he looks really hard. He's okay. ne I've never seen him come close to winning. Got it. And which one's the best in your... So, in my opinion, um, oh my gosh, his name is... It's the uh, Prince of the Frog... The witch doctor. Okay. Doctor. I keep wanting to say Caligari, but that's an old 1920s movie. It's black <laughs> and white. But it, it's him. Shoot, I'm sure we'll figure it out. Uh, but he, I played him twice, and it is incredibly easy. His whole thing is about getting like a locket, and then getting like his staff, and then just getting them both in play. And if you get one in play, it just stays there. So you just keep waiting till you draw the card you need and then you play it. And it's his whole deck is so good at like swapping out and drawing and it just it's very it's a very trickster like it's everything's themed very well. Not just him but every deck is themed very well. But maybe because Princess and the Frog isn't about the villain so much as it is about the fact that 
they're frogs. Yeah, I feel like the villain's just there. I mean, he's <laughs> the reason, right? Yeah. There has to, it's an old classic Disney style, so it is a typical villain, but it there's not much for them. Sure. Now, do you find, if you plan, I mean, even some of the, maybe some of the worst ones or the better ones, if someone is, you know, focusing on playing the fate deck against you, does that affect your ability to win much or does this just kind of slow you down or all that work? All the fate decks, all of them hinder you. That's yeah. the whole point. They yeah, will either and actions and events and stuff that are going to make either, it harder to win. They'll either stop a location entirely. Like yeah. oh, can't go there anymore. Yeah, those ones are rough. <laughs> uh, they'll give you a hero that you have to beat blocking off a couple of your actions on the top of the, your board. And they'll just pick a location that's, you know, really good. Yeah. Like, oh, that one lets you get three power and not anymore. It does seem like, I mean, I think every location has at least three actions you can take from it. But I feel like the best actions are always on the top of those locations, uh, just in general. I mean, you purpose. usually, I feel like you take at least three on average. I don't, I guess I'm maybe four on average that you take every one. You pretty much but play. I feel uh, like the top ones you always take, <laughs> almost. You pretty much on every single turn will do it. And on occasion you won't, and it'd only ever be like moving the ally or the yeah the hero one. Yeah, I feel like the bottom ones are more situational, and the top ones are just straight up benefits. You know, getting more power. I don't, is there anyone that has power on the bottom that you can think of? I feel like the power is always on the top. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now, Prince John. Is it locked in the, no, in the start? Actually, wow. best zone. Um, but I haven't played Prince John, so maybe you can't go to the jail until something else. So, I know some of his heroes can't go to the jail, but uh, but that's the beauty of it is again because I I played this game several times. And I haven't played Prince John. You know, if I played this game twenty times and I played every hero, every hero, if I played every villain once, I can still play it again and be like, I haven't played Ursula for twenty times. I'm gonna play Ursula. Yeah. So you, I mean, you answered my question I was about to ask was, have you played every villain? Which clearly you haven't, but have you seen them all played? Because you no. and your friends seem to play this so a lot more than I do. I don't own Villainous. I, I wondered, you didn't bring it over in we recording. I was, I like got mine out and I was like, <laughs> oh, Joe's probably going to bring his, but. Uh, and I don't because my friend owns all of them. And every time I play this game, it's always been with him. Like we've never played Villainous together. Uh, but every time I hang out with that group, we play Villainous, and he has them all. So why do I need to buy it? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I just didn't know if you've like if you've seen them all being played because I feel like every time that you go to like your board game events with your you know high school and college friends, I see you know photos of you guys playing Villainous, and just it kind of surprises me to be honest every time because like nineties. Eh, I, I feel like there's just so many games out there, even with like kind of the same. If you wanted to play like that Disney-ish theme, like there's just other, I don't know. And we're all 90s kids, so Disney was like... The yeah, these are like stuff. these are the straight up like the 90s villains too. I mean, you're not seeing... I mean, I don't think you see anyone like from like Frozen. Oh, yeah. Or like, you mean, don't, like any of the newer like 2010s, ones. 2010s, yeah. Nah, actually, maybe the, the, there's like an expansion coming out that has Syndrome... From Incredibles, Lotso from Toy Story Three, and uh, the Witch from Sword in the Stone, but 
maybe Lotso would be the most recent one because Toy Story 3 came out, what, 10 years ago? I was going to say, unfortunately, Toy Story 3 is not that new. <laughs> so maybe that's the newest. Yeah. But 2010 it came out. So well, exactly 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly not 10. That's uh, That reminds me of, I was talking to one of my buddies, and this was a while ago now, and he was talking, they, him and his now wife, they, I think they were, yeah, they were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, were going to Disney. And I was like, I've known him now for probably 10 plus years. And so I was like, have you been to Disney? Because I've never heard him talk about it. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I went, it wasn't that long ago. I went like the junior year, summer junior year in high school. And I was like, dude, that was <laughs> 10 plus years ago at this point. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I guess it has been a long time. Oh, that's funny. Because I, I had the same conversation with uh, my wife because we went to, we did the race in Disney, not to get too off topic, but we did a, a race in Disney, the Dine and Dash. And I've always wanted to do that like dopey challenge one that they do. It's actually really fun. <laughs> you run through the parks. Yeah. Which is, and like when no one's there and you're just running through the park. And, and as long as have, you finish quick enough, you you actually get early entry also to yep, the parks. Yep. And which yeah. I would not, I would probably miss the day of that day. I wouldn't well, even get to go to the park that day. It would be closed by the I time didn't, I finished. I, I slept afterwards because <laughs> I, I did not do it very fast. But you, did you uh, do the 5K half marathon? It was the 10. Oh, okay. I did the 10, and my wife did the half marathon. Because it's like a, the one and I'm the thinking 10. of is like a two day event. It is. It's all weekend. Yeah. It's like you do the 5K and the 10K on the same day, and yep. the next day you do a half marathon or something. Well, my, yep. Because my, my wife and I, she did the 10 with me. And the next day, uh, she did the half marathon. Got it. Uh, crazy. I can't do that. Yeah. But the what's cool is if you have the medal, the medal actually is like your pass, and it's a real medal. It's it's crazy detailed, and it allows you after hours to go to the park, and it's like exclusive to only the runners. Oh, that's sweet. And they have food stalls from around the world. This was at Epcot, I believe, because you'd walk around the world, and they have food stalls only for that night for the dine and dash, huh. and then there was also random rides open, like... I went on Frozen for the first time, and I was like, oh, this is what everyone is craving, I guess. Yeah. Well, not anymore. In Kanto is where everyone's at now. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, uh, beat Frozen stream records or something. People are streaming in Kanto's song more than wow. Let It Be, which is crazy to me because you hear let, let, it, it, let, let, it, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> let it be. Let it be. Is, isn't that like a Beatles song or something? <laughs> what about... So we talked about better villains or worse villains... And I guess that kind of answers like the ones that might be more fun. But do you have you played the Marvel ones? I know that's fairly no. new. He we, we he owns them. I've seen them. Never played them. Yeah, I was wondering how different because you can play. That's the one cool thing. Every expansion that has out so far, you can play as standalone games, mm -hmm. or you can mix and match between all of them. So it's really cool because you can just you know have Thanos and Captain Hook playing <laughs> on the same table or something. It's, it's true because since everyone has their own goal, it doesn't matter who you are. They can make 50 more of these games. That's the, it is kind of a cool like concept that, you know, you are playing this game and it almost seems like they could have made this one player by adding a different aspect, you know, thinking about wingspan and having that new deck that you put into play when you're playing one player. I feel like they could have done that with this. And you just, you kind of playing against the clock almost. And yeah. you just, you know, every turn, the same things happen against you and you just try to do it in advance. But 
Well, speaking of Wingspan, like if we compare the game, the Wingspan expansions add stuff, not just more birds. It adds more food, right? Food, new boards. Yeah. yeah. And this, every expansion, the only thing it adds, more bad guys. Yeah. So, yeah, the expansions are not standalone in Wingspan. And a lot of games are not standalone, to be honest. They're usually in addition to. And, I mean, these are kind of in addition, but because that they don't, you don't need them, you can play any of them. Uh, speaking of the expansions, beforehand we brought up the the fact of, uh, we're looking at the Gaston expansion, and it had uh, the Horned King, and you're like, I've never even heard of Black Cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I mean, I grew up, like you said, we're both 90s kids, but I feel like I watched the common Disney movies. I didn't yeah. watch any of the other ones out there. And even like it was just recently, I was like, I've never actually seen Bambi. Like that's an old school one, and I never saw that. I saw yeah. Jungle Book and all the other ones, but like <laughs> I didn't see Bambi. Like I didn't even don't even really know much about that story. And even some of the new ones I haven't seen. I've seen most. I mean, we have Disney Plus at home, so we watch most of them. I've seen Encanto twice, I think, at this point. Wow. We don't even have kids, and but like I haven't seen Mulan all the way through yet. <laughs> Mulan would be a good villain. Not her, but I would say Mulan. Uh, Sean, Sean, Sean Liu, Sean Lee. I can't remember his name. Lee, no, I, Sean Lee's the good guy. It's yeah, Captain he's the good guy. Uh, Sean Yu. I don't remember. Uh, if I remember, I've never seen the cartoon. I've only seen like the newer, the live action, the live action oh. movie or whatever. It wasn't great. But back, back to my point. Uh, you had a friend who got in the expansion and was like, "Oh, why did they make you buy this game, and you only get one person you like?" Yeah, they kind of package two in there with Gaston or something. But I like that. I like that each expansion and even the base game, you know, it's a variety. Because, again, if they sold these individually, no one would buy the Horn King because no one's seen Black Cauldron. It's also not that great of a movie. <laughs> but I like that he's there. Yeah, it would be cool if you could get themed boxes. So, like, thinking about, I mean, Toy Story is obviously in one of the newer expansions. So, like having a Toy Story themed box that maybe you get villains from each movie in that oh box. Oh gosh, you get you get Al from the second, Sid from the first, and then Lotso from the third. Yeah. That's clever. Like, I think that'd be a cool concept. But again, then who's buying the Horned King's box? Like no yeah. one's going to. And you're not going to buy Gaston twice because he's going to be in a different box or something. Yeah. So you, you start running into that. But at some point that could be, I mean, that's kind of what they're doing with Marvel, I guess, by doing... It's all Marvel. It's all Marvel related, but they could start doing that with other big franchises, cars. Is there any cars? No. That'd be cool. I love cars. We were talking about this earlier, too, is that, you know, sometimes I struggle with IPs of like a big franchise like Disney because I'm worried that the game is not going to hold up to the price tag. This game doesn't have a crazy Disney related price, I don't think. I mean, no. I think the standard game is forty bucks MSRP. Yep. I don't think I've ever seen it at full price, and they sell them everywhere. So like Targets, you don't have to go to a board game store, and they have these, and yeah. even the expansions, they're always on sale. I like that you. I like that you don't have to get them from a special shop. Yeah, they're readily available, and that helps with the Disney part. But I feel like this one really does hold up to. You know, it's like you said, it's themed really well. Each villain is really nicely themed. You were kind of saying you don't love the board. I think they're kind of neat with like the quote from the villain on the front of it and how the villain's picture shows. 
it's themed well. Yeah. I guess in my mind, as I would like more art, but it, it is hitting that price tag, right? Yeah. We You're paying for a great themed game. Uh, the fact that the decks are all unique. The yeah, fate decks. The backs are unique to the villain. and Yep. The, each card's back is different, but the, the villain deck, even the fate deck, the token, everything is unique to the, every villain. The tokens are unique. That's, an, that's one way to put them. <laughs> I think the tokens are terrible. <laughs> Not that they're made terribly. I just they could be designed a little better. I just feel like there's so many options. I mean, I understand that they're like artistic to the villain, but I feel like Disney as a whole could have done something better there. Yeah, because like sometimes you look at them, you're like, I don't even really know what standee this is for. Luckily, they're color coded, but there's some of them that are just like they get more elaborate. They do. They do seem. I have not. I've only played one of the expansions. I've seen. I should say, seen one of the expansions and played. Um, and the the Sandies do look a little bit better. They look like they're should be like really solid, but they almost feel like a softer plastic, which is kind of a weird. They texture. feel like Forbidden Island tokens. Oh, the, they do. The, the the figurines. Forbidden Island. That's not Ravenburger though, right? No, I didn't think maybe. So. No, Ravenburger makes some really good games, but I, yeah. It's also surprising they make this. Yeah. It's just random. Yeah, it is weird. I guess because it's been out for long enough now, but it seems like Fantasy Flight pretty much makes all things Disney-related now, and a lot of just IP things in general. Like, Fantasy Flight now has, you know, like the Doom IPs and all the Marvels and everything, Star Wars, which I don't think Doom is owned by Disney, but the rest of them are all technically owned by Disney. <laughs> Just going back real quick to the price too. I don't this game, like you said, MSRP forty bucks. Never seen it for that much. Yeah. You see it for forty, I wouldn't pick it up. Uh not saying that it's not worth it, but I, I'm gonna say it's on sale a lot. Yeah, I I would agree. I don't I don't it is worth a forty dollar price tag, but because it's on sale so often, it's hard to be like I really need this game this week. I don't want to wait a week for it to go on sale. Right. The expansions are a no different story. They're generally like $30, yeah. but I've seen them like down to 20. My The base game alone, I've seen uh, on crazy sales at 20. Like it happens. This game though is one of those games where I like it for two reasons. If you have a kid or if you're our age, <laughs> It's fantastic. This yeah. hits the right area between nostalgia and like fun for kids and adults. Yeah, the which concept is, rare. is very easy to play. It's not like a difficult game by any means. And it but it's it's enough to keep you playing. It's not like it's too basic. It's not ticket to ride that I like don't open because it's boring as an adult. But yeah, and it's it's solid. If they created, I think this would explode if they created more recent Disney characters. I think you're right. I, so Yeah, I didn't think about that until I kind of said it. And I was just really surprised that they haven't jumped on some of these Disney movies that are so popular with, you know, and it can't be some of the brand new ones because, you know, the kid, those kids aren't old enough to be playing board games. Sure, but sure. things newer than 2010, those kids are 12 years old now that grew up watching some of those and you seem like some of those villains and even not like i said i've seen them all i've seen all the toy story movies maybe that's why they started with what they did they hit all of like the the 90s like solid hits right even the ones in the 80s like little mermaid 
uh, they just hit that sweet point of like, hey, these people are playing board games and yeah. it's all about nostalgia. Let's hit them hard. Uh, and it did. And it worked for my friends. So <laughs> I bought them all. What sets this game apart, and I don't know if we've discussed it yet in detail, is the little villain guides. Yeah, the villain guides are real. I mean, all the player items and like the villain objectives and everything are really nicely made. Yeah, it's they're short and sweet. There's no extra wording or complicated like factors to each one. It's just like it's like here's the objective at its like core. And then each villain guide is like, hey, by the way, this card right here <laughs> works really well with your deck. Yeah, it kind of gives you like tips and tricks. It doesn't tell you what to do. It just says like this could be helpful. Yeah. Now, looking at the you know, the action symbols and the villain objectives. Mm -hmm. Do you get these cards with the expansions? Because it has the villain objectives on their back. I'm pretty sure you do. So obviously... I've seen a lot of these. Do they print them with all of the villains or just the ones no, from that No, just box? the expansion. Okay. The way that everyone at the beginning is supposed to go in a circle and say, my, my goal is to do this. And you have to say it because... Let's go to... Uh, let's say Hades again, right? Hades is like, hey, my goal is to get all the Titans to Mount Olympus. Right now that you know that and you get like a fake card that's going to potentially. Stop oh, that. I yeah. should probably put this here because his uh, stone giant is about to make his way. It's like a double edged sword making it known. But you have to. If you don't. Yeah. If you don't I feel make like it known, then people are going to be like, oh, how do you win? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you have to make it known. You have to know what everyone's doing since the, the fake cards are an option. I can't think of a way that they could add any sort of like secret to it. Like a lot of games have, you know, the game ends when this happens. Now you reveal your secret card and see who actually wins. But I don't think that needs Play it, it more than once. You kind of already know what your goal is. Yeah. Or at least their goal. Yeah, I would agree. I want to talk about the fates real quick. Because you said in the beginning, being like uh, strategy wise, to play the fates at like a good time. I actually find that my friends and I are very spiteful and we don't fate until we see someone ahead. That if, makes sense. If we're playing and we're just trying to do our thing, we see that someone's getting ahead. The But here's the problem. The first person that fates often gets faded back and it just be, creates a nasty cycle that everyone's fading each other. At that yeah. Point. It's kind of like, I mean, I think obviously off topic of this one, but like Munchkin, like, you don't mess with the person no. in on the first five level. Like <laughs> you let them level up to five or yeah. six and then you start using your cards to mess with them. But it's like, it's one of those things where like, you sure you want to mess with me? Yeah. I'll, I'll well, mess with you. I think it's cool too, that they do it, especially in the larger games is that they, they make it so one person can't get all of the fate. Cause if you play in with, I think is it five or more people, or is it four or more it's people? Five or more. You get five that or six. fate token. If, so if you were focused on a fate card, you can't get another yeah. fate card until, until the next someone turn. else until someone else gets a fate card. So if it's six turns down the road and no one else has played a fate, that makes sense. That way, someone can't, can't be like get, fate, 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 and you're like, yeah. okay. That's what you see, like kind of in when every game of Munchkin I've ever played ends that way. Is that you spend all of your cards to defeat like two of the people to make sure they can't win, and then you just and get then it. all of a sudden, like the person that was losing gets wins because no one has any cards left because <laughs> everyone focused on those two that were ahead early. But no, and as far as the game goes, and I want to make it clear that, yes, I think Hades is probably the worst, but other than him, no other villain comes to mind as being 
like unplayable. And even Hades is playable. I just think it's too hard. I think that the objective is too difficult to accomplish. Yeah, I'm just kind of looking at some of the boards, and it seems like pretty much everyone has... I mean, obviously, there's only eight actions, so they're limited in that aspect, but like, it seems like everyone I've looked at so far has a fate on the top and on the bottom, so you can't even block all of their fate. Everyone has gaining power on both. So I feel like, for the most part, they seem pretty even. If I just like, so I went on Google real quick and I just wanted to see what people thought about the different uh, villains and where they rank because there's 20. I mean, they don't even rank Hades last. So again, it might just be the way my friends and I play. So everyone's experience could be different. And I I like that. I like that it's different. I like that every time you play this game, it's different. It's different who picks what villain, uh, what villain you pick, not just what they pick. I don't know. I think it's fun. I like games that you're just kind of playing your own world. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I like that because I feel like you then can't completely get stopped. A lot of games, you know, one person can kind of get left and be left behind pretty quickly because they like, like, you know, they're boxed in. They can't move or something. And I feel like in this game, everyone gets to play until the end. And I think really everyone has a pretty good chance to win until the end. Yeah. And like you said, there's not a whole lot of strategy, so it's not even really like if I've played this game a hundred times and you've played it twice, like I don't think it's it a makes, lot of luck. Doesn't make me any better. Like there's yeah, there's some strategy. Like, do you race to your objective as quick as possible? Like, obviously you want to go as quick as possible, but like are you going all out objective or are you gonna throw some blocks out first and then yep. start going? Are you just collecting power so you can get your allies down? Like I mean, it all depends on the card you draw too, though. Yeah, because you might just draw nothing. Because your hands are your hand size four. It's four. Does any villain get more? Like I know um, you can draw cards and stuff, but or take extra turns. But there are cards that make you draw, and like you can draw cards and discard cards, and you can have a hand size limit more than four, I believe. But I don't know of any villain that starts with more than four. So that's a pretty common thing. I feel like you see. On some, like maybe on Hades or some of the ones that maybe aren't as strong, they could be like your hand size is six, yeah, and give them a little bit more of a fighting chance. But I haven't played it enough to know if that's needed by any means. But that's something that you see games kind of do. In most games, stronger heroes have smaller hand sizes. In this game, it would be a villain, obviously. But no, at the end of the day, I recommend it. I think it's I think it's just a really solid household game. I would recommend this game over like Catan <laughs> or Ticket to Ride. I think as a family goes, it's a great family game. If you like Disney, yeah, you uh, IP to, is a big deal. Yeah, you have to like Disney, and that kind of plays into the fact of which ones you would buy. Because if you have a bunch of kids who don't know who Ursula or Captain Hook are, watch the movie. I feel like yeah, you should probably just get on Disney Plus and watch because those movies are fantastic. So you'd want to watch them, but. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it just you buy the ones that are the your family know and you just you just play it. I think I would agree. I mean, I picked this up on a on a on a random chance years ago and we played it a few times. But I that's one of the ones that fall in the same category for me for Ticket to Ride, but not quite as low. It's not one I grab off my shelf very often. By doing this and you know, Right, and doing this podcast, maybe think, hey, I want to play this one again soon. 
because it's been so long since I've played it, but it's not one that I think I'm going to be putting in my backpack to go wherever we go to the next board game night and stuff. But and, I mean, that's just how it goes. And yeah. I'm my friends and my like little group that plays games as well. The complete opposite. This is a go-to. So yeah. it all depends. Yeah. I think you, I think you nailed it with the, if you have kids that want to play, this is a great, or if you're grown adults or if you're grown adults <laughs> that have no kids, but yeah, I think it, <laughs> there's a lot of spots where this game fits and, I even recently, you know, someone was looking to buy a game for uh, their wife. I think it was for Christmas or something and kind of was like, you know, they asked about this one and I was like, yeah, it's a really fun game. If you, you know, you have to kind of like this, it's fun that it's, you're not straight up battling each other for who's the best. You don't end up, you know, yelling or getting mad throughout this game. It's a, it's a, it's a fun experience the whole time. And before we uh, end this, the cauldron. Absolutely unnecessary, but funny. <laughs> it is. It's large. It's um, unnecessarily large, and it takes up like half the box. <laughs> and it's just used as a cup. Yeah. The box itself is lacking. The card storage is not great. It keeps them all in the box, but it's hard to keep them organized without additional parts. The cauldron, yes, is not needed by any means. I think the standees... Could be better, but I bet you can get some off Etsy or something if you're really looking for some nicer looking standees. We use deck boxes. So oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Just put every uh, like every villain goes in a deck box and all these thirty cards in your deck, and there's what fifteen in your fate or something like that. So forty five cards. So yeah, yeah, most standard deck boxes will be you get the small ones. Yeah, and they just fit in there, kind of like a playing card one. You yeah, slide it in and boom. Yeah, it's not bad. Anything else? That's all I got. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this game walkthrough. And if it's like me, this game has been sitting on your shelf for a while. I recommend grabbing it, taking a look at it, maybe getting an expansion to play a new villain. Uh, for upcoming episodes, we're going to open up the rule book on some more staples like Seven Wonders, but duels instead of the full game. And welcome to the dungeon. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes. You can find our page on Instagram at Where is the Rulebook. Or email us at whereistherulebook at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating on your podcast app today. This season is sponsored by TC Paintball, local to Traverse City, Michigan. TC Paintball is a paintball, airsoft, tabletop, card, and board game store that excels at bringing in the community to enjoy all of our hobbies. But all of these games are either owned by one or both of us and are not paid sponsorships. Also, to all of our listeners, you can receive 10% off all board games and 15% off the featured board game each month just by mentioning Where is the Rulebook? And a huge thank you to John Ransom for making our theme song and the music you listen to while we're playing the game. And if you love that song as much as we do, check out Jack Pine for more music with John. Thanks for playing.